Everybody say hi to Christina. Good Can morning. you give her a hand? Good morning. Good morning. Right here. Christina has been our women's conference speaker this weekend, Friday and Saturday, and um, she has done a phenomenal job. It's been so great to have you here, and it's been so fun to just watch you operate in the spirit and uh, in the word and powerful words. And so we're just excited that you're here. We're excited that um, what you're going to do this morning, and so I'm going to trust that we're opening our hearts this morning and that. Um, I do want to let you know something. She lives in the San Francisco area. What do you think about that? Do you like me still? It's okay. Some of you are leaving right now. But of all the things in the world, she's continuing to be a Seahawks fan. That's right. Can you believe that? That's right. Come on. Can you believe this? Yeah. Some people have so much gall. I live in the land of the wicked with the 49ers, okay? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We'll forgive you. Christina is no longer speaking this morning. I will be taking over. <laughs> well, thank you, Christina, thank you. so much for being this, this weekend. It's just been great. And uh, just fill us afresh. Thank Here you so go. much. Um, don't you appreciate your pastor's church? Aren't they wonderful? <laughs> like, I love Pastor Mark and Pastor Kate. Um, Pastor Kate has become a real dear friend in my life um, over the last several months. And so I feel like I'm with friends this morning. I'm a stranger to you, but I love your pastors and getting to know Pastor Mark as well. Um, There are people who do ministry and then there are people who live out ministry because it's who they are. You have that as the shepherds of this house. And I say that with all my heart. I walked into this community of people. And I have been so refreshed by just encountering the various ladies from this church. And I really picked up like a pulse of this house and it's healthy and it's genuine. And I just feel, I feel like I'm going home myself refreshed, refreshed personally. So thank you so much for creating such an atmosphere that people can come and be genuine and real and experience Jesus. It's wonderful. And, you know, Pastor Mark, I um, was praying for the church this morning, and the Lord spoke to my heart about you, Pastor Mark, and he said, he is a man of complete integrity. And it reminded me of the scripture where Jesus was preaching to disciples, and this man named Nathaniel is a part of the community, and he walks up, and Jesus stops what he's doing, he looks at Nathaniel, and in front of everyone, he says, now here is a true, genuine son of Israel, a man in whom there is no guile, a man of integrity, and um, the Lord has seen your integrity on and off stage, and thank you for guarding the integrity, because you're guarding the house, so thank you. Yeah, you can give God praise for that. Well, it is good to be with you. I do come from the faraway land of California where the gas prices are just horrible. I'm driving by and I'm coveting your gas prices up here. I'm like, are you kidding me? I I took a picture and sent it to my husband. He's like, that's it. We're moving back to Washington. We're from Washington. He's from Montana, but we claim Washington. So it's good to be home in my roots. There's nothing like the Pacific Northwest in the fall. It's beautiful. Um, And he actually has a 509 area code on his phone. So yeah, I mean, we're just, I'm home here. Uh, But I wanted to share a quick picture of my family with you uh, just because they're in my heart. I carry them with me wherever I go. And since we're family this morning, I wanted to show you my family. Uh, We have four girls. Um, Anybody else have all girls? Anybody else? 
okay, yeah, we'll pray together after service. Um, and it's okay if it doesn't come up there. You can just trust me. There's four of them. Um, and so they're seven, five, three, and a little over one. And then some of you are like, oh, Jesus. And then we just recently moved my mama in with us because my daddy passed away in the spring. So you can pray for my husband because he's living with six women. Yeah, he says he comes home and he just starts crying. He's like not even sure why. He's like, tears just start flowing, all the estrogen in the house. But anyways, um, don't worry about it. It's fine. I have four girls. You, trust me. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Anyways, but um, the thing about my girls is my oldest, London, when she was about two years old learning to, you know, potty train. And some of you parents, I've seen parents here, and I love seeing babies in this place. Some of you parents, you're in the trenches of potty training. I call that hell. Um, really. And my first child, especially, it was just hell. And my London, she's fire. She's strong. Anybody else raising strong? Yes, strong. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, and so my husband, bless his heart, uh, he has this gag reflex. And um, I thought he was making it up at first, but turns out it's a real thing. And in fact, he'll be brushing his teeth and oh, like, oh, like he just reflexes, right? Like even like, you know, Q-tip with his ears and he's like, oh, like, I'm like, really, Re really? But he's got a gag reflex and he has quite a keen sense of smell. Smells and gagging come together and it's just horrible. So anyways, we're in the middle of potty training London and, um, and my husband and I were upstairs, and I couldn't find her. Anytime you can't find your daughter, you know something, you can't find your baby. You're like, hmm, she's something's going on. So I'm calling for her, I can't find her. London, London, and then I'm starting to panic. I'm like, London, I, I all of a sudden, I smell something. I'm thinking, oh no. So I follow my smell down the stairs, and um, I just I keep thinking, she's not answering my call. So. She's hiding, right? And, and I know why. <laughs> and I'm just preparing myself. And, and I turn around the corner, and in her playroom, there she is. And it, just the smell of, you know, hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm just trying to, like, plug my nose. And what I saw, I will never forget. She had had an accident, and she had a little play kitchen. And she thought, well, I'm going to clean it up. She put her situation in the play kitchen and tried to clean it up in her little sink. It was all over the walls. It was all over the toys. It was all over the carpet. I don't know how much stuff came out of such a little human, but I will never forget the horror that I saw. And I immediately just go, oh my word. And I scream for my husband. And he comes rushing down the stairs thinking something's happened. And as fast as he rushed in is as fast as he ran out of the room. And he's like, I'll be right, I'll be right there. He's like gagging, trying to control himself. You know, not helpful at all. And I thought to myself, okay, Christina, this is between you and the poo right here. You're going to deal with it. So I, I got down <laughs> on my knees, and I faced my little London. Her name's London Brave, which I tell you, that's right. And um, I lean down, and I look at her big brown eyes, and I go, London, um, remember when you have an accident, when there's a mess, what do you do? You call mom. You call mom. Not dad, but you call mom. I love him. He's a good man. He does a lot of great things. He just doesn't deal with that. And I said, you call mom and, and I'll help you. And she looked at me with all the confidence and the pride in the world. And she goes, it's okay, mom. I clean my mess. And then she pointed to that play kitchen where there was poop all over it. And I thought, 
first of all, oh God, I need your help raising her. And then I thought to myself, isn't that just like me with the Lord? At a moment where I was like, I am the queen of trying to clean up my own mess. I can control my life. I can deal with it. I will take care of it. And in trying to take care of my mess, church, I have found that it gets messier. In trying to take care of everybody else's mess, it actually gets messier as well. And there's something about us in our humanity because we feel de- we feel strong, we feel independent, and we're told to be, that we interact with the Lord in a way that's like, I'm going to keep you over here, God, and I'm going to keep my mess over here because I can figure this out on my own until we can't, until it's everywhere spilling over and it's actually disrupting our lives and the lives of those we love to where we just feel embarrassed almost because we don't know what to do. So instead of even dealing with the mess, we walk away from it. And some of us, it's not even just the mess. We don't, we don't feel like we're even living in a place of, of life. Like we don't even feel like we are alive on the inside. If we were honest, it's not the mess. We feel like we're living in like a graveyard. On the outside, we've got our jobs, nine to five. We got our families or, or we have, you know, our friends. We have the things that we do that are consistent. And life is just going like a train. But on the inside, we feel a little bit dead. And instead of coming to the Lord with vulnerable hearts that say, I actually need you in this place. I can't fix this anymore. We try to control it. And maybe I'm just talking about myself here. But we try to control it and just keep going because eventually things might get better. But there's just a stench of death. There's just a stench of discouragement and hopeless in our life. And I want to actually look at a scripture in the Bible of a group of people in Ezekiel chapter 37. And you can open up your Bibles if you have them with you. And if not, we're going to read along on the screen. But I want to look at God's people because they were experienced a season of a mess, a season of discouragement and hopelessness. You see, in 586 BC, the Babylonians conquered Judea. God's people lived in Judea. That was their place of worship. It was their home. It's where they created their, their lives and had family and generations. And this group of people come in, the Babylonians, and they, they, they absolutely rummage all that was theirs. They destroy their homes, they separate families, and they take people into slavery. So God's people are kicked out of their homeland and put into exile. And what the Babylonians did is they left the weakest of the weak, those that couldn't really work for their own, those that couldn't work that wouldn't be of use to the Babylonians, they just left them as a remnant in that city to die. They cut off their water resources, cut off their food resources, and there they were just left to decay. And God's people are there. And, and, and God sends a word through a man named Ezekiel to this group of people that are called the remnant. They're the poorest of the poor. And they're literally sitting in ashes, thinking God has failed me. God has missed me. He promised, but he's not followed through. They're disappointed and they're looking at what feels hopeless. And probably feeling a little bit angry at God. Like, where are you? We're supposed to be your people. How come this happened? 
And God sends a word through a prophet named Ezekiel to them in their lowest point, in their darkest hour. And this is what he says. And we're just going to read this together. It says, verse 37. Ezekiel is writing and he says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. Now God's about ready to speak to Ezekiel through a vision and the prophetic. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to Ezekiel. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. I actually love his vulnerability there. I'd be like looking at dry bones. I actually don't know if they can, but you know, God, you know, I got faith. Verse four, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. What does prophesy mean? It means to speak on behalf of God. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Somebody say life. Oh, hallelujah. You're awake this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. <laughs> a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone come on church just see it like a movie read the word of God it's alive see it like a movie the bones came together bone to bone I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was still no breath in them then he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to it this is what the sovereign lord says come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live so i prophesied as he commanded me and sure enough breath entered them they came to life somebody say life yeah yeah and stood up on their feet a vast army do you see it church then he said to me son of man these bones are the people of israel they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, Cheney face sinner, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Come on, church, say live. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. If you're taking notes this morning, the word of the Lord comes to you, church, and he says, rise up and occupy. Look at somebody sitting next to you. We're going to get a little friendly here and say, rise up and occupy. Come on, rise up and occupy. <laughs> Some of you have been waiting to say that for a minute to your man. You're like, rise up and occupy. <laughs> I'm totally kidding right now. I just really offended someone. I'm totally joking, sort of. Okay, take a minute, turn to somebody else if you didn't and say, rise up and occupy. <clears throat>
she's making us talk a lot. She's really bossy. <laughs> it's because we're, we're, we're a family, we're a community, we're a body. We're going to speak things that aren't as though they were today. We're going to step into things that might be new and unfamiliar, but that does not make them bad. It just makes them new. And God always says in the word, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you know that God is safe and God is good? He's not an evil ogre ready to slap you over the head. He's not here to uncover you and humiliate you. He's here to love you, restore you, and call forth life where there's death. That's the God we serve. He calls himself the good shepherd. And a shepherd protects his flock and provides for his flock. A rancher, we know what a rancher does, whips the cows into shape, <laughs> tries to get him over here. That's not the heart of God. He uses analogies in that time to speak to a bunch of shepherds about the heart of God. And he's here today. And the Lord is going to minister to us in the room. And he knows where every one of us are at. He created you. And you might think you came to church today because it's what you do on Sunday mornings. But actually, heaven has an assignment with you, church. God has ordained your steps for this day, a day you've never lived in, a day you've never walked in, to be a day where you encounter the Holy Spirit in ways that bring life to the dry bones. Rise up and occupy. Maybe those dry bones feel symbolic of your inner life today. Maybe those dry bones feel symbolic of your marriage feel symbolic of your dreams, or even your faith, you're okay. You're okay where you are today. You see, dry bones mean that they've been dead for a long time. When we read the word, read the word and, and, and catch the verbiage, because the word dry was there to let the readers know that it wasn't just a recent disappointment. No, these corpses were totally mutilated and dried out. They've been dead a long time, <laughs> like a long time. The longer we live in a place, the more familiar and accustomed we become to it. Some of us have lived so dry for so long that we think it's, it's okay. Now, where you are today, you're okay where you are because God's going to meet you where you are. But it's actually time the Lord is calling you to rise up from this place of death and discouragement, unbelief, a critical spirit. And he's calling you to rise up, man of God, rise up, woman of God, be filled with him and occupy the life that Jesus came to give you. Jesus said, I've came to give you life and life to the fullest. He's not just talking about heaven. He's talking about your journey from here to heaven. He's come to give you strategies for the workplace, wisdom on how to navigate your team. Those, those irregular people that you're trying to lead. He's come to give you wisdom, not of your own accord, but of heaven. He's come to give you joy, not based on circumstances. He's come to give you peace, not based on a recession. I'm telling you today that God has come and his spirit is talking to you, not the person behind you or around you. He's talking to you, child of God, that it is time to rise up and occupy the life of a spirit-filled believer. Some of us feel that it's too late. I sensed that as I was praying over our time. And the Lord said to me, tell them I'm in the business of resurrection. Don't you know that that's the business of our God? 
Resurrection isn't like, oh, I'm going to put a Band-Aid on that little owie you have. No, resurrection's you dead. <laughs> you very dead. <laughs> bury it and move on. And some of us have done that. We bury things. We buried it. I buried my hope. And now I'm just trying to survive. Survival's the way of the American life. We live to get a paycheck and pay our bills and hope to God that we survive. That's not the life that you've been called to live, church. You've been called to live a life of joy and fulfillment. Wherever you are, in whatever season you're in, you have been called to thrive and not just limp along and survive. He's the God of resurrection. He can resurrect dead things. Uh, would you say this with me? I'm not too dead, for a, for a resurrection. Well, praise God for that. <laughs> that means there's hope. That means there's hope. I'm not too dead for his resurrection. John 11, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> Maybe you've blown up your life. Well, God, he is the expert in blow-up management. Aren't you glad? I've blown up my marriage. It's too late. He is the expert in blow-up management. It's not too late for a resurrection. You're not too dead that God cannot do something with you. If you have breath in your lungs today, no matter how old you are, you are not too old, you are not too young. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. And it's not just to make a paycheck. It's not just to have a family. It's to release the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's to pray for the sick. It's to love the hopeless. It's to release his presence on earth. We're in a war, but God has won. And he's looking for ambassadors the church to rise up and release the kingdom of heaven and to say, it might look hopeless in your life, but I serve a God that is the God of resurrection. God can do a miracle for you. If our feelings pull our faith, church, we won't make it. We just won't. If we look at all the things around us and we think, where is God? How could God let this happen? If God is good, then why? I want to speak to that spirit of unbelief that's in the room. And I want to tell you in Jesus' name to be gone. Hear me now. The enemy comes like a thief and he hides behind the mask of God. And we blame the hand of God for the hand of the devil. And we say, God is not good because look at all that's happening. God is not powerful. Why did he let that happen? So we withdraw from the presence and we walk in dry valleys with dead bones. And we've removed ourselves from the only source of life because of disappointment and hurt. There are mysteries, church. There are mysteries this side of heaven that we will never understand till heaven. It's called faith. But God prepared us. He said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, eyes open. That's the hand of the devil. And we don't accept it as the hand of God. So as the church, we stand in faith for a resurrection. Amen? Amen. And God is good. So if God is good and it's not good, then God's not done. He doesn't live in the time frame of generations. Some of us are praying for things that we will never see fulfilled in our generation. But God is saying, do not stop praying because there's a fulfillment coming. There's a harvest coming. And you are the catalyst of what that will bring on earth. Come on, you're never too dead for a resurrection. It's time for us to grab eyes of faith, church. Eyes of faith, look up to the one who our help comes from when we're overwhelmed by the mess. God, I cannot fix this anymore, but you're in the business of resurrection. Mm. He says to Ezekiel, do you believe I can resurrect? 
Ezekiel's like, I don't know, but you are the Lord. <laughs> and I have been there in my faith. Daughter, do you believe that I can, I can work this out for your good? I really have no idea how. And if I'm honest, Lord, I can't see it. But I'm going to go back to your word that says in Romans that you cause all things to work together for my good because I'm in Christ Jesus. So when the enemy comes and whispers that it's hopeless, when depression settles in, mm, I am going to rise up and I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. If you're taking notes, write this down. Prophesy over your valley. Prophesy over the valley. You're like, Christina, um, I don't prophesy, actually. That's some weird things that those Holy Spirit, you know, cuckoos do. <laughs> Can I tell you that the word of God is alive and active? This is our prophetic word. Well, I've never had a prophetic word in my life. I really don't know what it is. God always misses me. He never missed you. He wrote you a whole book of words of life. And sometimes we got to stop waiting for our pastor or our leader or our spouse to, you know, encourage us. And we just got to learn the art of encouraging ourselves. Part of rising up is when you don't feel like it to get the word of God open and just out loud declare things. The Bible says to cast my cares upon you, Lord, because you care about me. The Lord says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. He cares about the details of my life. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from you. I'm going to walk in that. The Bible says that greater things will we do than he, Jesus even, when he walked the earth. Jesus said that. And the Bible says the greater is the presence of God in me than he that's in the world. So this evil spirit, this demonic thing I'm facing in my life that feels like an absolute warfare that's like caused my home to feel burned up. I have felt like put in exile. My family's torn apart. God, I'm going to stand right now and I'm going to prophesy life over the valley. I'm going to speak to things that aren't as though they were. Some of us need to go home and repent to our spouse for the words of death we've spoken over them. You're not this. You're not that. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. We need to apologize and start speaking life. We not, it might not believe it, but it's time to speak it. We need to speak life over our finances. Well, we're in a recession. Come on, people of God. Is he not the one who owns the cattle on the hill? Is he not the one who is our resource? We don't live by the economy of man. We live by the economy of heaven. It's time for us to grab faith and speak life where there might not be life yet, but it's coming. Abraham was counted faith because even though Sarah was old, come on dry bones, she was like in her late 80s, she's past menopause, right? And even then, God said, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham's like, uh, have you seen her? <laughs> Speak life. Prophesy over your valley. Hallelujah. Number three, trust him with the process. Trust him with the process. In verse 7, it said that the bones came together as complete. Would someone say complete? Complete. Aren't you thankful that the Lord completes the work he began in us? He didn't just leave the bones together to be um, an army of dead bodies. Some of us, we've looked at the work of God in our life and we're like, great job, God. I got it from here. Tag out. But you ain't filled with the breath of life. You ain't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. You ain't in control. In fact, none of us are. And that might be the best thing I've said all day to us, church. We are not in control of our life. We cannot control the temperature, but we can control our response. And our response as believers is, Jesus, I yield. 
I surrender. I open up my life and I'm going to let you in on the things that I can't fix anymore. Lord, I don't know how to get through to her. And all the men said, amen. Lord, I can't read her mind. I'm tired trying. Lord, I don't know how to leave my family. Lord, I don't know how to tell him what I need. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to keep going in this career any longer. Lord, I just don't know what to do. That's a great place to start. Lord, I need you. Because he comes and he completes the work in our life. Part of opening up our lives to the Lord is saying, you are the leader. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branch. Apart from me, you cannot produce fruit. We cannot. We need his wisdom. We need his strategy. We cannot forgive without his grace in our life. Trusting the process. Trusting the process. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Mm. He is in a process of resurrection. Hold on to hope, church. Just because things look dead, smell dead, doesn't mean that God's dead. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care. I want to remind us that we are in a war. Ephesians 6 says that we're in a war against the evil rulers of the unseen world. In other words, it's not against flesh. Not against the person you're sitting next to today. You might think they're the enemy, like they're full of the devil, you know. <laughs> they're not. The enemy's the enemy. Well, they might be need some deliverance, okay. But the enemy's the enemy, church, not people. And the enemy comes and he he tries to discourage and divide, but God is saying, eyes open, church, eyes open, rise up and occupy the land. Take back what the enemy's stolen, your joy. It's time today to rise up and occupy the places that you have felt are hopeless in your life. Occupy. I want to invite my friend Karen to come and play. Mm. Verse 12, God said, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Cheney, I've come. <laughs> I could have left this morning, but I needed to stay. It'd be very convenient for me to go home. But I knew I needed to stay because I had an assignment today. You. And I came to tell you that he is your home. I've come to tell you that God is in the business of resurrecting and he's calling you out of exile to come home. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit is your purpose. Mm. Somebody needs that word today. You see, your identity is not your titles and positions at work or at home. Because those things are temporary. We know that many of you have walked the road of a quick fire. Many of you have walked the road of a divorce. You never thought, you never saw it coming. And all of a sudden, who am I? Where's my identity? Your identity is a child of God. It's what we build our life on. It's the rock we stand on. Your identity is a child of God that never changes. Your purpose is not what you do with your hands. It's not who 
puts the paycheck in your account. Mm -mm. Those are important and great. Those are tools. Those are great. That's not your purpose. Your purpose isn't even the people you're raising. Mm, Hear me now. It's your assignment. It's your assignment. But your purpose is his presence. It is to host his presence in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's to wake up in the morning on a Monday and say, this is your day, God. Holy Spirit, you are my purpose. Let me see past the natural and the supernatural. Show me who needs me at work today. Show me how I can release your love in this atmosphere. Give me grace for that really sandpaper person in my life today. God, I need you. Lord, I'm speaking life over my finances today. I do not know how, but God, you are the God of the impossible, so you're gonna do a move because you care about me. We begin to attach ourselves to the presence of God that's our home. And all of a sudden, you start to hear hear the rattling of the bones in the valley. All of a sudden, things start to come together. All of a sudden, you look back a year from now. You look back two years from now. You look back a week from now, and you say, my God, it's it's an army that's alive. Why did he say, Ezekiel, prophesy to these dry bones? Why couldn't it have just been people? Why did God say an army? Because he's calling up victory. He was not saying you're just weaklings that are going to return to your farmlands. No, no, no. You were farmers who were put in exile. And when you encounter the presence of God, you are filled, you are healed, and you are filled with power to be a vast army against the gates of hell that would attack your household, that is attacking your household. You would rise up as an army, a church, Cheney Faith Center, that would rise up against the bondage of the evil one that's on this region. There is a stronghold in the supernatural of depression on this region. There is a stronghold of addiction and people are living in prison cells of shame and you are the army that God has called to rise up and occupy the land and call the prisoners free. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. Yes, you, not just your neighbor. Well, Christina, you don't know where I've been. He saw it on the cross. It's time to get over it, repent, stand up and move on. No more living in the dead bones. He's called you to life, church. Oh, I love you, and I'm coming with the word, and I hope you hear the love of the Lord. I'm just so, oh, such an urgency in my spirit for you and for this community. Hmm. My husband, Ryan, grew up in a home that was really broken. The best way I can tell you is that it was a horror film. He experienced severe, brutal abuse his whole adolescence and his whole childhood. His mom's boyfriend, one of many in the trailer park, tried to murder his mom. And he grabbed a baseball bat and just tried to get the man off of his mom at eight years old. When I tell you things look dead for him, he was dead. He tried to take his life twice before the age of 15. He was a full-blown alcoholic by the age of 13, and he was a drug dealer. Would you put up the picture of my family? Do you have it, my friend? Is it there? 
That's him. Listen to me. That doesn't look like what I just told you, does it? You look at that and you're like, no, 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 that, that's fruit. That's life. What do you mean he was abused? I want to tell you this. We're flesh like you. We're people like you. We get broke like you. There is nothing more special or God doesn't love us more than you. He doesn't play favorites. He's just looking for who would be willing to say, I surrender. I need you. Come to the broken places and bring resurrection. When he was 15 years old, this really cute girl, I haven't looked up her picture or anything, don't worry. This really cute girl invited him to church. He came because she was cute. She ain't cute anymore in the name of Jesus. I'm just kidding. And he came and he came totally stoned. And um, he was kind of like mocking the whole thing that was going on. He was just full of so much, like the demonic oppression in his life was so strong. And um, then the youth ministry ended up going to this like uh, conference and he wanted to go because there were cute girls. And so the youth pastor said, I'm gonna pay your way to go. He brought all of his drugs with him. And he's in this huge auditorium with a bunch of students. And I don't know if you remember the Columbine shooting. That was during that time. And there was a, a victim that had actually survived. And she was speaking at this youth rally about the Columbine shooting. And she's talking about her faith. And she starts talking. My husband's in the very back of a huge auditorium. Right? And he's like sitting like this. And all of a sudden, there was a rattling of the bones. The Spirit of God fell upon my husband, literally, like physically, tangibly. He sat up in his chair. His brain cleared from all the fog of the drugs. And the Lord said, I have called you son. He didn't even know what he was responding to. He just started running from the back of the auditorium, landed on the floor. And for the next hour, he just wept and wept and just wept. And what God was doing is God was breathing life. God was healing. God was resurrecting. God was replacing lies. God was healing trauma. God was planting seeds that would be in this young man's life who would grow up and become a youth pastor, who would grow up and begin a, a relationship with a random girl, who would grow up and get married and have four babies, who would grow up and pastor a community, who would sit with drug addicts and walk them through the valley to life. Why? Because God is in the business of resurrection. He's looking for someone to get vulnerable and real and say, I need life. I need life. Today, there are people here and you are living in exile to addiction. The Lord sees you. It's too hard to tell yourself no. And you've somehow told yourself that you are entitled even to this addiction. It's okay. The craving is too strong and it feels too hard to resist. I'm telling you, woman of God, I'm telling you, man of God, hear me. It's robbing you of real satisfaction, of real life in Christ. It's robbing you of meaningful relationships. I wanna say this to you today, addiction is not your home. It is not your identity. It is not your curse. It is not your home. God is calling you out of exile into freedom today. Others of us, we feel like we're in exile to offense. That old wound plays on repeat in our minds, right? You just feel it all over again and it's torture. 
Bitterness keeps you hostage and is like drinking poison, but waiting for them to die. That offense is not your home. Maybe you find yourself in exile to apathy. Hmm. Who really cares? You grew up in church. Church is like brushing your teeth. You do it every, every Sunday. Here you are. Yep, I'm in church because that's what good, good Americans do. We get up and we go to church. But a spirit of unbelief has come and settled over you. And all of a sudden you're critical about things because you're apathetic. You've fallen asleep to the truth of him and depression even is settled in. Life feels mundane and you feel like this is just another religion. I want to tell you that the Lord speaks to you. The word of the Lord speaks to you today. And he says, I'm real. I'm here. It's time to rise up, come awake, come alive and occupy. There are places in the Holy Spirit that you have never experienced before that you're going to start experiencing. The Lord is going to fill you with his presence. Some of you are going to be asleep and woken up in the middle of the night. And you're like, what is going on? And you're going to have an, a word of knowledge. You're going to have a knowledge about something. It's called a prophetic word. God is going to give you understanding. And you're going to begin to pray over those things. And you're going to be releasing things over your home. God is going to give some of you a picture, like a vision. You're going to wake up and have dreams. And you're going to know what the dreams mean. Because they're God dreams. He was speaking to you. Get a pen and pad by your bed and write it down. Well, they might think I'm cuckoo. What if I'm cuckoo? It's time to rise up and occupy. Fear of what people think, we don't have time for it. The enemy's playing like a playground in this house and in this region. And it's time for us to stand up and say, no, no, no. We're actually an army and we're gonna walk in the Holy Spirit. We are the body that heals each other through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are gonna walk into church and you're gonna feel like you're supposed to pray for someone. You're like, well, I don't know them, this might be weird. I don't want to freak them out. Freak them out. What if they leave healed? What if they leave healed because you stepped out of your skin, became vulnerable and uncomfortable, and you released the presence of God on them? Who, me? Yes, you, church. Yes, you, church. It's time. I want to take a moment. If you would just close your eyes where you're at. I want to invite anyone who's here that maybe has not had an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I'm talking about this God, this life of fullness and fulfillment. And you're really not sure what that means for you, but you're kind of interested and your heart's even like pounding because you just know, okay, yeah, I think she's actually talking about something real. It's because it's the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart because he created you to feel him and know him. Just because you don't understand it does not mean it is not real. And so if you want to say yes to Jesus, maybe for the first time, Today's your opportunity because he forgives you of your sins. And what happens is your eternity is now rescued for heaven. God does not send people to hell. Sin sends people to hell. And we got to get right with God and receive his forgiveness and love so that we can be restored. To, to, to this morning, it's your opportunity. Or maybe you've wandered away and on the outside, you look like the Christian, but on the inside, you actually don't believe in Jesus. And if you've been living this this different life. It is time to get over fear of what people think. It's time to get over insecurities, fear of rejection or not being enough that's in this room. And we just gotta say, God, I need you. I need a savior. It's fallen apart. 
So with every eye closed to create privacy, I'm gonna count to three just to give you an opportunity. I want you to raise your hand and we're all gonna say this prayer together. One, two, three. If you wanna say yes to Jesus. Okay, praise God. Praise God. Okay, I'm going to move on. And at any point, if anyone ever wants to have that salvation prayer, you just find somebody in this church, find a pastor, and they'll lead you through that. Otherwise, I'm just going to, my heart is hopeful that every person is a believer in this room, which is wonderful. Right now, the Lord is speaking to you about the valley. He's identifying the dry bones. Go ahead and go there with him, church. He's showing you what they are. There's no shame. He uncovers sin to heal us. He doesn't uncover us to shame us. Now, when you're ready, I want you to have a moment in prayer with the Lord, and I want you just to say, I give it to you. Just tell him, here it is. Come in, breath of God, breathe into these dry bones. I'm gonna invite everyone to stand where they are, please. take a minute and just dim the lights just for privacy sake nothing like manipulative about that okay it's just to dim the lights to create privacy we're almost done here but I just want to take a minute actually mm. there's something that happens when we actually move in faith you don't there's nothing more holy about right here <laughs> God can meet you in Meet you in the restroom, which by the way, I accidentally went to the men's restroom this morning. If you were in the stall, I apologize. That was embarrassing for me. <laughs> but the presence of God can meet you anywhere you are. Why not? Ooh, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let it be light. <laughs> Why not now? Listen, we got like three minutes. In a moment with the presence of God, he can eradicate the fingerprints of hell of your whole life. So I'm going to ask, and I'm going to invite you to move. If you need a resurrection in your life, I'm going to invite you to come to the front and I'm going to pray for you that the Holy Spirit fills you with new life. And I'm not going to manipulate it. I'm just going to invite you. It's up to you and I. Today's an opportunity to rise up and occupy. God wants to heal marriages that are dry. And I'm just going to wait and we're just going to worship the Lord. And if you don't feel like you need that resurrection, just worship the Lord. Have a posture of worship in your chair. But we're the body. We're family. And sometimes family needs to take care of business with each other and love each other. And if not here, where? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I want to do. Uh, I've got words to release for second service because I'm going to honor the time of this house and what needs to happen. I have words for second service. I'm going to invite you. I know you have children and I'm going to invite Pastor Mark to come forward, but I'm not done. There's more that the Lord wants to do. If you'd like to stay for the second service, um, I do have some words I'd like to release. If not, God bless you. Can I pray for you? And then I'll invite Pastor Mark forward. Would you just open your hands to invite the Lord? Father, I thank you for the rattling of bones. I thank you for the new life that's coming in the name of Jesus over this place. Lord, words that you have spoken that would be filled in the name of Jesus. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the life through it. Amen. Oh, yes, sir. Christina for a minute. Could you just thank her for a minute for your life to us this morning?
I'd like you to share one more thing. Yesterday, Christina received a word for our church. Um, and I, did, I wanted her to share it with each service because it was very important. And it's really been the life of our church for a long time. And so it was good that the Lord brought it up and that the Lord breathed the life into that word. And um, I, I was just, I know these ladies' stories and you just read their mail with the word of God. And so that was so good. And so it's good that the Lord is working. But would you just share that word yes, that you Pastor, received for yes. us as a church? Yes, um, I received a word from the Lord and he said that the children in this house are so important. Raise your hand if you have kids in this church. Yeah, yeah, I'm speaking, I'm speaking life over you. He said to me, um, the children in this house are so important. They will live out the dreams and hopes of their parents, the Lord said. They will, hmm, they will, oh, excuse me. His presence is so good in real turn. Mm. They will harvest seeds planted in this generation. And I heard the Lord say over this house that revival, we're looking for it to start in the auditorium with the adults. Oh, but the Holy Spirit's actually, revival's gonna start in the kids' ministry at this house because there's no junior varsity Holy Spirit. And sometimes they're more open than we are. Can we just say it? So, tend to the young ones. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Christine. I, I do feel like, um, Christina, I'm just gonna ask you to stick around right here for a minute. There might be someone in the room that's just not done. And um, you would just like Christina to just pray for you. Maybe you'd like to just say, I just like a prophetic word over my life. And if you'd like that, she'd love to pray for you. And so uh, some prayer people will stick around. Kate and I will stick around. Christina will stick around. If you want to, if you want to pray and you want to receive a word from the Lord, um, would you just not leave? Don't leave. Just come forward and receive a word from the Lord. I know that we have time constraints and we need to get, um, we need to turn things over. But if you feel like that the Lord wants to do something in you, let's take that next half an hour before next service starts and just do that in the room. Um, I know we have kids to pick up and that's good. And also if you would just say this morning, um, I do need to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to come up and I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I just want to encourage you to do that. Can we just pray real quick? Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We thank you that you have brought us life and life abundantly. And we get to live it every day. And so, Lord, I pray that just as Christina spoke and the word has gone forth into our lives, we've heard it in our ears. It's going to come alive in our spirits. That, Lord, we would be the people that carry the life of Jesus Christ everywhere around us. We give you thanks and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming to Cheney Faith Center. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.